Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. How many is ready to get in the Word? I said, how many is ready to get in the Word? If you don't help me, I'm going to preach three hours. And uh, so, uh, but if you help me, we're going to get through this. Um, Wednesday night, we've been really preaching uh, from the subject of identity. And Wednesday night, we went over, um, we preached about our identity as saints of God. And I'm telling you, we, we showed out in here Wednesday. I'm telling you, it got really, really good. And so this morning, I want to uh, read something to you that I read. And, um, and then I want to talk about the subject of the bride and the bridegroom. You okay? So let's just pray right quick. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And Father, we just thank you for the encouragement that's already went forth in this room. Father, that means that courage was imparted to us. You know when encouragement goes forth, that's courage imparted into you. And so, Father, we thank you for that. That Lord, we thank you for the word that's already gone forth. That what we prayed for, what we believe for has already begun. We're not waiting on something to happen. It's already happened. And so, Father, shift our focus and shift our mindsets, Father, to line up in agreement with your word and let us walk by faith, God, knowing the thing that which we've asked for has already been established. It's already begun. And so, Lord, I pray today, Father, that you would help me, Lord, to minister the word and, Lord, open our eyes to see you in a greater way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, um, let's uh, you turn to Revelation 19. You there? And then let me try to pull this and find this, and I want to read this. This is, um, I, I read this last night, and I mean the power of God was just uh, all over this. And we read this uh, again in my office this week, and it just stands the hair up every time I read it. And so I want to read it to you, and then I want to talk on the subject of the bride and the bridegroom. And it says, this, this, this guy says, as I stood to preach in Crestview, Florida, in September of 2016, I heard the Lord say to me, a new reformation is coming, more significant than Luther's day. The message of bridal identification will be significant to the remnant, and we should expect persecution as Luther, as Luther did for justification by faith alone. I recognize that not everyone will understand this shift in identity. But we must learn how to stay in love, in the, it, how to stay in the royal chariot of his love without defending ourselves. 500 years ago, a young, man, a young man, Martin Luther, nailed the 95 Thesis on the door of a church, hoping to start a conversation, but instead caused a reformation. He was sick of the systems of men and the religion that kept people from knowing that Jesus intimately. And once again, we find ourselves in the infancy stages of a new reformation. Reformers are coming back forth from the intimate devotion to Jesus as lovesick brides who will not let popular church culture sway her. Listen to this. She honors the past but refuses to live in it. She dreams of the future, but her focus is on present, in the presence of her bridegroom now. 
Her enemy will not be the world because she will cause them to wonder. Her enemy will be the religious trying to silence her passion for it reveals their pursuit of guarding theological position, unbiblical ambition, and finances. Her devotion to Jesus will expose that they have nothing to offer now, only promises of a future to come and stories of a generation's past. This is not her time of battle, but it's her time in the bedchamber. She is leaving the house of warfare filled with the demonic fascination and has moved into the house of wine filled with spirit and intoxication my god yes the battle rages but she is not aware of her bride she is not aware for her bridegroom is the host of heaven's army that are sent to war on her behalf bride and groom speak back and forth while angelic interventions guards their intimacy my god that's good now i want to go to revelation chapter 19 i understand what i'll be preaching this morning is not for everyone in this room but some will hear the call and, and come up higher. And so there is, there is a greater walk than where we've been at. Do you believe that, church? And there is more. There's always more in the kingdom of heaven. I will live today, but I will always be pressing for the more of him because I want another gaze on his face. Are you with me now? All right. So let's go to Revelation chapter 19 and verse... Um, uh, verse 6, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation of the Bible. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be thunderous voices of a great multitude, like the sound of a massive waterfall and mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt Him and give Him glory. Because of the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready, fine linen shining bright and clear has been given to her to wear, and the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of his holy believers. Then the angel said to me, write these words, wonderfully and blessed are those who are invited to the feast at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. And then he said to me, these are the true words of God. Now, let me just say this on this. I do not live with a rapture mentality, and I believe that that has hurt the church tremendously. I do believe in the rapture of the church, but I believe that what we believed, our eschatology has crippled us for advancing the kingdom. Let me say that the eschatology is the study of end times, and what you believe about the end will affect how you live in the middle. Y'all going to help me here this morning. If I give you a car to restore and I give you a 1955 uh, Chevrolet to restore for me and I tell you that I want you to, uh, don't worry about, don't spare any expense. I want this car in mint condition. I want it to be able to go to the showroom in Vegas and you start working on this car and you start searching for the parts but halfway into the job I come and tell you that I decided not to take the car to Vegas but I'm going to put it in a crash derby when you're through with it. it will affect how you work on the car come on now so the picture of of the what paul gives a picture of a church in the book of ephesians that is a bride without spot wrinkle or blemish and he gives a picture of that bride as being equal proportion the body being equal proportion to the head and so there is this last day's church that is going to become the bride of christ on the earth are you with me now 
I'm just setting this up. Many have believed that because the earth, because the world gets worse, and we read stories out of Matthew chapter 24, that because of wars and rumors of wars and the earth getting worse, that that is a sign of the rapture of the church. God never looks how worse the conditions is as a sign of the rapture of the church. His looks at the condition of the church to say when the return is. Come on, somebody. Is the bride making herself ready? So in this text in Revelation 19, the King James renders this. The spirit and the bride say come. It is when the church gets in unison with the heartbeat of heaven, the cry of the church is, God, we can't spend another day with the veil separating us. We want you that bad. Now, how many knows with that condition and that statement, we as the church have got a long way to travel to get to where I just said? Come on, somebody. Help me out here. So in this, in this bridal identification, we've got a lot of teaching that's got to go forth. We've got a lot of instruction and a lot of grounding the church to start see this. As we preach Wednesday night, a lot of the church still believe they're sinners saved by grace. God, if, if you believe that you are a sinner saved by grace alone, that, that you're just still a sinner, then most of the New Testament doesn't apply to you because Paul wrote his books to the saints at Thessalonica, to the saints at Philippi. You have to see your as a saint and what God has done for you to transfer you in that identification to walk in that inheritance. The same way there's things that are promised to the bride and until we can see ourselves as that, that we, we, we're not going to walk in those things promised to us. And so I was sharing with Catherine. I said, I've been studying all week on the Jewish history and the marriage. And I said, how many members, if you've seen the movie National Treasure with Nicolas Cage, how many seen that movie? You remember in there, there was a code that was on the back of the declaration, but they couldn't see it until they had the glasses to see it. When I put the lenses through the help of the Holy Spirit this morning on you to see the bride and the bridegroom is going to come alive all throughout the New Testament and all throughout the Bible. Now, in Genesis 24, here's a picture, a picture of, of, of what God the Father is trying to do. And he's using us a picture of Isaac when he goes out to find when Abraham goes out to find a son, I mean a wife, for his only son, Isaac. Isaac is the, only, is the, is the promised son, if you will, of Abraham. And, and it is a picture of God the Father sending out his servant, the Holy Spirit, to go prepare a bride for his wife, come on, for his son, Jesus. And so in this, you know the story that Abraham sends his, his servant out, Eleazar, and he says, do not go unto the Canaanites, but go unto my own family. Swear to me that you won't go to the Canaanites, but you'll go to my own family to search for a bride for my son Isaac. The same way the Holy Spirit has come into the church. Come on, somebody. His own, his own body, his own family, and he's looking for a select few. Come on, somebody. He's looking for everyone. But not everyone will not everyone will answer the call to say, "Come up out of religion, come up out of the traditions of man, and come up to a place where there's oneness between me and God." Y'all with me now? Come on, help me here. I'll get anointed in a minute. We're just gonna keep plowing. So he goes out and he finds uh, this. And you know that he sends Eleazar out and he travels. Not only is he traveling with gifts and, uh, and, 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 and everything that uh, Abraham put under his care, he finds this lady and he, and he says this prayer. He says, God, I pray that you would show my journey great today. And I pray that the woman that comes to the well, 
and offers me a drink of water first, and then she's willing to, uh, to get a drink for the camels, let this be the one that you have chosen for, for uh, Isaac. The scripture says that he no more got the last words out of his mouth, and he pulled up to a parcel of ground, and there came Rebecca, a beautiful young virgin, came out, and then she, he, he talked to her, and he asked her, and she offered him a drink. Not only did she offer him a drink, but she said I, he, she offered to give the camels the water also. And he knew that God had shown well with him. Then he asked her who she was and he realized that she was the relatives of Abraham and he knew that God was uh, giving his way prosperous. So he gives to Rebecca in that moment a nose ring and a bracelet. The word bracelets in Hebrew comes from the word binding. At this moment he was binding her, come on somebody, to the promise of his son Isaac. He goes back to her house and he enters into that house and he carries on a conversation with her father and her brother and he tells them all that is in us and he said please tell us please tell us um, uh, you know um, do, what do you do, are you going to make my journey prosperous or not answer the question are you going to give Rebecca to my to my uh, master's son Isaac and notice what he says in the script I'm just paraphrasing this to make time travel okay I'm just going through Genesis 24 without reading it they, they answer him and said, this is surely God, but we will ask her. Notice how even though the marriage was going to be arranged and agreed upon, it was still her choice whether she wanted to go. You and I got a choice every day, friend. Come on, somebody. We can either stay in religion and go to service on a Sunday and think we've done our Christian deed, or we can hear the beckoning call to come in true relationship and true romance with God through his Son and the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody, and get alone in a place of prayer and have a deep relationship with God Almighty. Come on now. This is why most time people say, how can you worship for an hour and a half? Listen, friend, if you're in love, you don't mind how long it is. You're not looking at your watch. You're not looking at the clock. The fact that we're having to look at the clock to see when it's 12 o'clock shows that we're, ne- we're really not in love. We just come to knock out a religious thing to say we've done our duty. So Rebecca says, yes, I'm going to go. So then he presents her with gifts and they take off on the journey and she goes back and she finds Isaac and the two become one. Now, I want to take you through some imagery if, in the next few moments. I want to take you through some imagery that of, the, of the traditional wedding, the Jewish wedding, and, and, and to just go for and give you some pictures here. Listen to this. In ancient Israel, the groom would ask the bride by giving her the cup of blessing. If she said yes, she would sip the cup, the wine, and as she sipped the cup, it was a sign that she agreed to the bridegroom that she was going to be his wife. Are you with me now? Now think about this. The picture of the bridegroom and the relationship that he wants. Now I'm just going to go through this and quote this, but you can read it when you get home. You can read it in John chapter 13, Matthew 26. Just go through all these scriptures when you get home. But Jesus, at the end of his journey, at the end of his journey, knew that Passover was coming. Are you with me now? He knew that Passover was coming. And I love the Passion Translation, how it translates these verses of scripture. Jesus said that his heart was burning to share this meal with them. He was about to introduce them to the next level, friend. Are you with me now? 
You've called me rabbi, you've called me teacher, and you've called me Lord. And Jesus sits down at the Last Supper and he tells them that one is going to betray him in the room. And they're all looking around the room wondering who it is. And he said, it is the one that has dipped the bread in the cup with me is going to betray him. You How many knows that was Judas who had wickedness in his heart from the beginning? And Jesus is sitting there as the bridegroom and he lifts this cup, this cup of blessing, which, to the, which is also known as the communion cup. Come on, somebody. He lifts this cup up as the bridegroom looking at, looking at a group of men saying, I want to know you've known me as teacher. You've known me as Lord, but do you want the next level of your relationship? I'm looking to marry you in this room. I'm looking to be your, your husband. I'm looking to betroth you in this room. If you see this, this is why Paul said, I labored for the Corinthian church. I labored that I may present you a chaste virgin unto God. Why did he tell the in Song of Solomon to the Shulamite bride, you have dove's eyes. One thing about a dove is that it has single vision. Once it finds a mate, it stays with that mate forever. This is what God is looking for on the earth. I'm telling you, the church is coming to this level of devotion where the world will lose its gaze on her face because she has found the one her soul loves. Come on somebody. Has anybody ever found the one your soul loves? When you find it, drugs couldn't do it no more. When you found it, sex couldn't do it no more. It still left you empty but I came to tell you there's one that can feel every need in your life. Every longing in your heart. He can feel the depths of you that you can feel complete. Jesus is lifting this cup. To the Jews, the wine represented blood and it represented joy. When Moses in Exodus 13, for a sign of judgment on Pharaoh because he would not let the people go, the scripture says God told Moses, he said, stretch forth thy rod. And you stretch it over the Nile and you stretch it over the waters of Egypt. And the scripture says that Moses stretched that up and God turned that water into blood. Most rabbis believed that Jesus would be a picture of Moses when he was to come. And when the Messiah would come, he would turn judgment into joy. That is is why at the wedding of Cana, the first miracle Jesus shows up and the water that Moses turned to blood, he turned that water into wine saying, I'm no longer here to judge a man. I'm here to accept a man and bring him an intimate relationship with me. My God, that's good. So Jesus raises his cup and notice what he says. He says, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is my agreement. Because once the, once the betrothal process began, they, the family would come into an agreement. The, the bridegroom would sit down with the bride and her family and they would come into an agreement. And as they come into this agreement, it was everything that the bridegroom was going to do for the bride. Once she agreed, she no longer had to worry about her future because her future was taken care of by the bridegroom. My God, this is good, y'all. I'm, I'm telling you, I ain't here to cast no pearls for a swine. I'm telling you, I've been eating this thing. I'm trying to see myself as the beloved. Come on, somebody. His heart ravishes for me. He longs for communion for me. Come on, somebody. That woman can get me in places and she can ask me whatever she will and it'll be unto you. I'm trying to tell you there is a relationship you can get with God. You can ask whatever you will and it'll be unto you. 
He said, abide in, if my words abide, if I abide in you and my words abide in you, you can ask whatsoever you will. The reason why we don't have what we ask for is because we ain't been doing an abiding. Come on, somebody. But I'm here to talk to somebody that wants to get in the bedchamber and abide with God Almighty. And when you abide in his words, abide in you. And his words ain't no commandments but promises. Come on, somebody. You can ask whatsoever you will and it'll be unto you. How do you know that, preacher? The Bible says that Mary and Martha would when Lazarus died, Jesus came up to the house and Martha runs out to meet him in John chapter 11. She runs out there and she said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. He looks at her and tells her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth unto me shall not die but have everlasting life, right? I'm the resurrection and life. He gives her theology. But when Mary, who lays at his feet, come on, somebody. When she walked with, she never got outside the house until he called her. Come on, somebody. She stayed seated till, till Jesus motioned for her to come outside. When she came outside, he didn't give her no theology. He never told her he was the resurrection and the life. He just said, where have you laid him, Mary? Take me to where you laid him. I'll do whatever you ask me, Mary. You're not worried about walking around serving sandwiches. You All you're concerned about is laying at my feet. I come to tell you, church, we could get far more done just by laying at his feet than we could ever do with the strength of flesh. When, my God, I'm preaching this morning. When David went to take the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, he put Uzzah at the head of the Ark to bring the Ark back into Jerusalem. Uzzah's name means strength. God will never allow the strength of man to take his glory anywhere. He, what he's looking for is a lovesick bride that knows how to rest in his presence and only do what he sees the Father do. I'm hollering this morning. Jesus raises his cup. He said, boys, this ain't no communion cup. Come on. Serious trying to speak prophetically. Let's bow our heads for an interpretation. But they're right there. That's when you're anointed. Electronic devices go off when you talk. Listen. He raises his cup up. He said, this is, this is the blood of the new covenant. Now listen to me. What he's looking when they when they make this sip, what they're saying is, Yes, Lord, we're betrothed to you and you alone. We're yours and you're ours. Jesus sips that cup and he looks at them and he says, We shall not drink this fermented drink again. Listen to me. We shall not drink this fermented drink again till we meet again in the fulfillment of this deal in my father's house. Because a groom would show up and he would, have the, he would have the wine crushed from his father's vineyard. And he would give that to the betrothed young virgin and they would sip it. And once they sipped it, they would not sip it again until they meet, till they met again to consummate the marriage. Whew. My God. Then there was a contract. And the contract was written... And the contract was written of everything that the groom promised he was going to do to the bride. When Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 6, he gives this illustration. Don't worry about tomorrow. 
and don't worry about what kind of house you're going to live in. Come on, somebody. Don't worry about what kind of clothes you're going to wear. For consider the lilies of the field. Does your father not provide for them? Consider the sparrows of the air. Does your father not provide for them? They neither toil nor sweat, yet your heavenly father takes care of them. How much more? Are you my beautiful bride than the sparrow which is flying in the air? How much more am I going to take care of you? See, the reason why we don't believe God going to take care of us because we live like orphans and we live like a concubine. But when you know you're the bride of Christ, you got the new covenant sealed up in your pocket, which is a promise of everything he said. When sickness arises under you, you got the promise of Matthew 8, 17, that he bore your sickness upon the cross. Come on, somebody. The groom is taking care of the bride. There was no expense to the bride. It was all the expense of the father, of the groom. After this agreement was reached, the bridegroom would then, they would have reached this agreement. And then, after it was reached, there was a payment that was exchanged from the groom to the bride and to her family. Because the father was losing a hire, a work hand, if you will. Come on, somebody. Someone to do the chores. Now he's got to get someone else to do it. And so they would, they would give a payment. How many knows this? That God the Father paid the ultimate payment so that you and I could be called the bride of Christ. You choose worth by two things. How rare it is and what someone's willing to pay. There's another you walking the face of the earth. You're the rarest thing you've ever seen. And by what someone's willing to pay, Jesus paid his own price so that you and I could be in this process. During this time, the bridegroom would leave because after he found her, after he gave her the cup, after she sipped, after they come to the agreement of everything that was going to happen, he would then leave. Then it was time for her preparation. The betrothal process, there was two deals to it. One, she was engaged in that moment. Are you with? Now she was about to prove her love for the bridegroom because now she had to tarry till he came back. In the ancient Jewish, in, in, in the time of like Abraham, Isaac, all of this, the groom would then have to go back to his father's house. He would then go begin to work and he would build the bridal chamber in which he and his new wife would build. He, the groom didn't know when he was going to return to get her because it was determined by the father after he inspected that the son had did enough work to go back and return and get her. Jesus, after he gives the meal in, my, in John 13, he, he opens up the 14th chapter of the book of John like this. I go to my father's house. Come on, somebody. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And where I go, you may go also. Listen to this, for over 2,000 years, come on somebody of history, the father, the son, the bridegroom has been building the bridal chambers that you and I will occupy when it is all said and done. 
when the father said that it is complete, the groom would come back and he would go through the, he would usually come at night and he would have a, a, a processional of men with t- torches carrying the light, which would show joy. And then he would come back and he would receive the bridegroom. He would come back and receive the bride. The bride's responsibility in this time was to be to prove herself, listen to me, to prove herself and to make herself ready for when he comes she didn't know. Now we have the story of Matthew 25, the story of the ten virgins. Y'all right? We traveling mighty fast on this flight. The story of the ten virgins. Ten in Hebrew, in ancient Jewish uh, custom, ten was a legal gathering. It was a legal gathering. So this is definitely a picture of the church, not just a story of ten virgins. The word bride is not mentioned in that Matthew 25, but any of these ten could have been the bride. For the bride would oftentimes have an entourage of bridesmaids and all other things, and they would leave what they were doing to stay with the bride to wait on the bridegroom to come. In the story of the ten virgins, come on now, in the story of the ten virgins, they were all had lamps. This is a picture of the church. What I'm preaching this morning has nothing to do with heaven or hell, but it has every bit of how much heaven you're going to transfer in this realm. When are we going to shift from that message? Come on, somebody. This ain't about going to heaven or hell. This is about going if you're going to bring heaven down to earth. Jesus never prayed to take us from the earth. Come on, somebody. Oh, my God, don't get me on that. He never prayed. Listen to John 17. He said, Father, I pray you take them not out of the world, but leave them in the world. He said, pray thy fa- our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does God want? He wants earth to look just like heaven. And he puts you here as an ambassador to make it look like that. When we see sickness and disease, we simply look into heaven. It doesn't exist. So it shouldn't exist in this realm. All right. Now listen to this. I'm going to go back to the ten virgins. Throughout the process, y'all hot. Y'all hot. What was right? Cut the air on. Boy, we got some money to pay the power bill. Glory to God. Huh? Throughout this process, anybody getting anything? Throughout this process, they would be gifts. They would be gifts sent to the bride to remind her of his love, his passion, and his desire for her. Oftentimes, she would receive 10 coins or she would receive silver coins as a sign. Darling, I'm still after you. I'm just preparing this bridal chamber. This takes on a whole new meaning when we see the woman in Luke 15 that had 10 coins. Because often the bride-to-be would wear a necklace with with 10 silver coins around her neck. And she loses one of them. So the bride frantically searches with light illuminating the room to find what she had lost. It's all throughout the Bible. Now, when we get this of the gifts that's being sent, I do want to read this one verse of Scripture right here to you. Go to the book of Ephesians. When we think about this bride having to make herself ready and having to stay in the process, let's look at this verse of Scripture found in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. 
Pastor Stanton, I ain't hear that air. What's wrong with it? Dusty done messed up all the air conditioners. Father, we pray you cleanse him, help him. So we want, if anybody's hot right here, see, see uh, Elder Dusty Statham right here. It's all his fault. No, I'm cutting up. Let the wind blow. All right, let's, right here, ready? Ephesians chapter 1. Think about this as a, as a, as a, as a gift. Verse, chapter 1, verse 13. And because of him, when you who are not Jews, and because of him, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of the truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we've been stamped with the seal of promise of the Holy Spirit. Look at this. He's given it, the Holy Spirit, look to us, like an engagement ring is given to a bride. As the first installment of what's coming. My God, my God. Look at this. He's given it to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of the redemptions, all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom all for the supreme glory and honor of God. Let me tell you something. Every time you feel the Spirit of God rise up in you, that's a sign that He's coming. Every time God manifests Himself, it is only a down payment of what's coming in the future. When you buy a piece of property, they ask you for earnest money. They ask you for earnest money to put up for the property. Come on, somebody. You know what earnest money is? Earnest money is part of the, is part of the property's price that you put up front. And when you put the earnest money, what that is is showing that you got, the, you got the money to take care of the rest of the debt. Come on, somebody. So Jesus, when he left, he didn't leave us as orphans. Come on, somebody. He sent forth the promise of his father back into the earth as the down payment of what was going to happen in the future. Come on, somebody. And he gave us the earnest money up front, the Holy Spirit as a sign that if I leave, I will come back to get you. And every time it manifests in your life, it is a promise that the bridegroom is returning for the bride. Now in this story of Matthew 25, I've heard people preach this and I ain't, I ain't got time to really dive into some deep theological debate. But I've heard people, people preach this as the five foolish and the five wise. This is five unsaved and five saved. The Bible says they're all virgins. This ain't got nothing to do about five lost people, five going to hell and five going to heaven. Come on. They're all virgins. They all have a lamp. They all hear the bridegroom's uh, voice. But only five are wise to make sure the most important thing in their life was to see how bright that oil is burning. The five wise, their main focus was, do I have the oil in the lamp? This has not been the focus of the church. Come on, somebody, for some time now. 
We don't worry about if we got the oil. We worried about if we got the finances. We worried about if we got the nicest, nicest looking building in town. Come on, somebody. I can tell you this. You can have the finest of everything you got. You can have a limo out in the front that hauls the preacher back and forth from his house to the church. But if we ain't got oil, friend, we in a mess. The oil is the most important greeting in the house of God. The Holy Ghost, if he ain't here, it is no different from the Elks Club. But what sets us apart from everybody else is the fact that we got the living Christ, come on somebody, dwelling in us. The all, this has got to be the focus of the end time bride. Her focus will not be on how much Bible do we know. Her focus will not be on how many programs can we run. Her focus will not be on how big can we build the ministry. Her focus is intimate devotion with God. Our main concern is God here or is he not? Moses said it like this. If you're not going to go with us, let us just stay right here. It don't matter how big we get. The main thing has got to be is God with us or not. This place of devotion. The main thing is, is the oil burning? Do I have enough oil? She didn't know when the bridegroom was going to come, but her job was to keep the lamp in the window and stay ready. Now, one thing, in, I was studying this, and I told Matt that a lot of times they would take salt and they would wrap it around the wick of the, of the lamp. And as they would coat it with salt, it would make the lamp burn brighter. When Jesus deals with the issue of salt, what is the issue over? Discipleship and devotion. Could it be the reason why we're not truly been a city set on a hill because we don't have enough salt on the wick to light up any community? Come on, somebody. Alamite, help me right here. Help me right here bring this into the airport. Could it be the main ingredient that we are missing is a life of devotion? I'm, I'm just talking to, to my household. Could it be the main ingredient that we have missed is a devoted lifestyle? See, what I'm talking about, see, see people, there's two things here. People harp and say, well, that's legalism. Would, there is a way to preach legalism. Don't do this and don't do that, all this kind of stuff. You're never going to get people free by telling them not what to do. And fear will never get anybody. If you catch people on fear with your car wreck stories, you got to keep them in fear to keep them obey. That, and let me tell you something. God don't use something he don't have and he don't have fear. That don't exist in the kingdom. He uses love. And if love gets you, love will keep you. And so in this story, these young virgins, five were watching every Sabbath day because they knew that they couldn't buy the oil on the Sabbath. It was against the law for them to go out and purchase oil for the lamp on the Sabbath. So on the day before the Sabbath, they made sure they had enough in case he showed up during the Sabbath. They got enough to tote them through. Their whole focus was the oil. Their whole focus was the oil. 
what would happen if a church became this so much focused on the eyes of the Lord that they're only worried about the oil of devotion in their life? My God, I'm talking to us right here. I'm just trying to tell you this is where the church is shifting to in the days ahead. This is where we're going. This is what's going to happen in the last days. And just, but just like in the days of Luther where the Catholic church called him that great boar. That, you, you, because Luther was sick of the priest with the only one able to read the Bible. And the priest was keeping the people in bondage. And I, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. And I forget the term used, but with St. Peter's Basilica and all this, they were selling indulgences. They were selling indulgences in this time where you could buy these indulgences to keep your family out of purgatory or hell. It became a big scheme. Still happening today in the church, in America. It's happening through men who call themselves fathers and they get their sons to tithe unto them and say, this is what will happen in your life if you'll just send your tithe to your father. Martin Luther said, I'm telling you right now, you're keeping the people of God in bondage. They don't have to sit down and listen to a priest. They have a high priest. And it's not by these works that we're saved. It's by grace alone. It's by what he did on the cross. And what he did on the cross was enough for us to walk in this freedom. And he sets and he pins out this 95 thesis. And he nails it on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And he sparks this reformation. And now yet again, we find ourselves in the crossroads of another place where the church is settled for religion. They settled for a form. They settled for, they set it for, they set it, they settled for Moses' tabernacle when David's got the ark on the mount, on Mount Zion, and he's worshiping under this open air. They were still people going to the temple, but God was not there. We've got it down to know how we can run a program in 45 minutes to bust the people in and bust the people out. Meanwhile, nobody's lives being impacted. Nobody's life is being changed. But I'm here to tell you, friend, when you look in the eyes of a flame of fire, when you taste of him and see that he is good, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. It will not be legalism that calls you to lay your junk down. It'll be because of your passion for the one that has apprehended you. You will read the rest of your life trying to apprehend that which has apprehended you. Paul said, I nevertheless live. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he lives inside of me. This is where we're at. So we look crazy. See, the bride looks crazy to the other side of the church that just wants religious games. I remember when we were in Alma, a lady come to our church and she said, I don't understand why in the world you got to sing the way you sing? Why don't you just, why can't you just sing the song? I said, because we're not just singing a song. We're trying to find the, we're trying to get at that place. Come on, somebody. I'm not looking at a clock trying to see how long we can sing before the preacher comes. I'm trying to get at a place. Come on, somebody. That's why this morning we wasn't worried about if we cut it off at 11 or 11.15 or 11.30. Why? We're trying to get at a place. We're trying to get beyond the veil into the secret place where only God himself dwells. Come on, somebody. Where my spirit can get intertwined with his spirit. 
Come on, somebody. The Bible says in Hebrews that the outer tabernacle, as long as it remains, the secret place remains unknown. But if you ever get out of your body and flesh and out of the thoughts of everything that happened this week and get your mind on God, come on, somebody. You can step out of the outer tabernacle into the inner tabernacle. There ain't no sweat. There ain't no fire. Only the light, the illumination of God's presence. This is where we want to get. This ain't for everybody. This ain't for everybody. So, five's got the oil. Come on, Adam, mate, let's go with it right here. Boy, I feel like we're flying. Oh, we worship you, Holy Lamb. Come on, raise your hands right here. I'm telling you, he's in this room. Oh, how he longs for us. He longs for our intimacy. He longs to kiss us with the kisses of his mouth. Oh, he longs for us. When he sat down with the disciples at the Last Supper, his heart was beating out of his chest. Oh, I've desired for this moment that I may share this cup of blessing to see if you will sip it and be betrothed unto me and be alone. Don't run to the ways of the world no more. Save yourself from me. And these five virgins, these ten virgins with the oil lamps sitting in the window, they hear the sound of the, of the processional. Listen to me. Just a side trip. When the, when the bridegroom was about to be revealed, it was customary called the, I, I, I don't know Hebrew, you can tell that. It was called the retuff, the calling out or the calling up. The bridegroom, the bridegroom would be revealed on the Sabbath by the reading of the Torah. That's why we find in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus, who was sitting in the synagogue on the Sabbath, was called up to read the Torah. And as He calls up, He stands before the congregation and He opens the book of Isaiah to Isaiah 61. And He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good news. He has sent me to the brokenhearted to heal the sick, to cast out devils and cleanse the leper. Come on, somebody. And proclaim the acceptable and favorable year of the Lord. What He was announcing in that synagogue, I am the bridegroom that you have always longed for. And I came with grace and mercy in me. Come on, somebody. And it is no longer judgment that is going to go forth. But I came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord to tell you that I'm about to answer God's wrath for the sin of the world. Come on somebody and I'm going to receive you unto myself. She hears the ten virgins in the bridal procession. She hears a commotion in the streets and she looks out the window and she sees the torches coming and those that with the bridegroom they would be ahead 
and they would be singing this, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's why Jesus, when he leaves the earth, he said, you shall see me no more until you hear he who comes saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was quoting this marriage tradition and they hear the groomsmen saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the virgins scramble and five realize, oh my God, we have no oil. Our lamps went out. The lamp is gone. And they see the five wise putting the final touches on their wicks as they pour the oil of intimacy of what they have gathered while the bridegroom has tarried. Oh, he's tarried a long time. Oh, he's kept tarrying. Many said he wouldn't come. Many says he's forgot about you. Many says that he, all oh, it's all a hoax. It's all some big fairy tale. Many says it would never happen. But suddenly in a twinkling of an eye, like a thief in the night, there the bridegroom's processional comes. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. They scramble, they realize we have no all. We have no all. Oh my God, we've been going to church. We, we've been listening to that fat, bald-headed man down there in Sparks, but we have no all. Friend, you can't get what I give you on Sunday. You got to get it a place on Monday. You got to get it a place on Tuesday. You got to get it a place on Wednesday. You got to get it a place on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. The Bible says it like this. When you rise up in the morning, let the word be on your heart. When you go to noonday at lunch, let the word be on your heart. When you lay down at night, let the word be on your heart. Oh, my God. I'm telling you right now, I feel the holiness of God in this room. Give us. Give, give me a little oil. Give me a little oil. Give me a little oil. He's here. He's here. Give me a little oil. Give me just a little bit for my lantern. Oh, my God, the wick is going out. Give me a little oil. Five wise look into the eyes of the five unfoolish and says, the only thing I can tell you at this moment, he is here. Oh, the promise he has done. Oh, you remember the gifts he sent along the way. You remember the gold that showed up a few days earlier. The gold was always a sign that he was about to come up. Come on, somebody. He's about to be near the house. When we see the gold, it's time to get ready. Put the garment on. He is here. Oh, but I have no oil. I have no oil. The only thing I can tell you, at this point, you better go try to buy it. Which is what we've done. We've traveled from conference to conference and bought book to book to live off of somebody else's revelation instead of getting alone and getting on. We called eagles, baby. Come on, somebody. The eagle tracks his own prey down. Buzzards sit on the side of the road and eat while somebody's left behind. I come to tell you, you don't have to eat what somebody else has left behind. You don't have to hear this fat, bald-headed man and just drop pearls in front of you as an invitation to come in the throne room where he knows you face to face. Come on, somebody. Eye to eye, lip to lip, where his breath enters into your breath. Come on, somebody. And he tells you the secret things on his heart. Come on. Oh, my God, I'm preaching in this place this morning. I said the power of God is in this house this morning. My God. You don't have to go run and buy it, baby. You can get it yourself. You just got to get the focus back on relationship.
These things we don't do not because not because it's some legal thing. It's because I'm in love. See, the life of devotion don't give a rip whether it's big or small. I don't, I don't care if it's a hundred or a thousand as long as I got him. This is why every day Every day, I sit in there. Come on, Alamac. Come on. I sit in that chair. Father, what's on your heart? Father, what's on your heart? I got a bunch on my heart this morning, but Father, what's on your heart? I just want to commune with you. I just want to listen. See, the reason why we're doing war is because we're not in this place. When Adam and Eve fell... They were seraphims with flaming swords flew down into the ascended into the Garden of Eden and stood at the place to guard that place called life in Eden. With swords crossed, anything that penetrated that, they were there to take it out. Come on, somebody. Because that is reserved for the bride. Come on, somebody. But when you enter that bridal chamber with a devotion to God in proximity, and that's your main focus, can I tell you that the angels stand behind you and the bridegroom with the swords flame. Come on, somebody, touch that then. Come on. Anything to come at my house when I live a life of devotion, maybe a thousand may fall at my left, but ten thousand shall fall at my right hand, but it shall not come near my dwelling. Come on, somebody. The angels of the Lord stand guard on the four corners of my prophecy, on my property, said, touch it if you will. Now, here's the procession coming through the cobblestone streets. The torches are lit. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Jewish bridegroom would come. He would be adorned with a crown of flowers on his head. This is why the enemy, when he took, when he, when, when, when Jesus laid down his life, they mocked him, putting a crown of dead flowers and thorns on his head, trying to tell you he's not no real bridegroom. But can I tell you, when he comes back, he's coming as the true bridegroom with a crown on his head, riding a white stallion, not no small donkey. Come on, somebody, you can't see him as a suffering servant no more. He is the resurrected bridegroom and king he will have a name tattooed on his thigh called faithful and true and when he steps on the mount of Olivet it will split in two come on somebody and a two edged sword will roll over his mouth and I got any Jesus lovers in this room this morning don't tell me he won't protect the bride when Stephen was stoned in the streets the Bible says that Jesus the bridegroom was standing up in heaven saying I don't think so you may take him out of the body but he reached down and swooped Stephen up come on somebody I'm telling you your identity is a pursued betrothed lover to God he pursues you with a godly jealousy Don't you let religion tell you you're not loved and valued. You said, well, you don't know my mistakes, preacher. I'm telling you, he invites you with all your mistakes into the bridal chamber. Hosea, the prophet, 
marries a wife who is a harlot. Every time he go gets her, she runs around. Hosea said, I'm about ready to get rid of this woman here now. What does God speak to him? Go buy her back. Because you and I have been that harlot bride. He's had to go back and get, go back and get, and go back and get, and go back and get, and go back and get. But I'm telling you, if you'll just keep letting him wrap his arms around you one day, he won't have to go back and get you. Come on, somebody. If this identity can ever get in the church, we ain't got to worry about a worship service. The worship service is going to explode because we don't been laying together all week. Come on, somebody. We ain't got to worry about where the children's at. Come on, somebody. Me and this woman right here has got three children. You know what that's proof of? We've been in the bed. Come on, somebody. When you've been in the bed, they won't nobody have to ask you where the fruit is. The fruit will be all over your life. It's in this, when we get this and say, my God, I'm pursued, I'm loved, I'm valued, I'm the apple of his eye. My God, he cherishes me with the kisses of his mouth. You start pulling them lies off of you like I'm just telling you, you reach out. That's an absolute lie that I'm worthless. That's crazy. I'll never believe that. I'm the bride of Christ. Come on, somebody. He bought me with the ultimate price. He gave his own blood. He sealed me with the engagement ring of the Holy Spirit to put it in my life, to manifest on me, to remind me of the fulfillment of the promise. Now, the only thing, this is how you prove yourself. It's 12, 11 if you're taking medicine. The prophet said, don't worry about the clock no more. I got to preach again tonight. I told Cass, I ain't preached twice in one day in a while. Now you think I'm going to be all right? She said, you'll be all right. I'm going to be all right, ain't it, Danny? See, this is how the proving ground is. The proving ground, the proving of the betrothed, the betrothed love for the bridegroom is how she keeps herself. How she walks how she adorns herself. How does the young men of the city catch her gaze anymore? Or does she have single vision? This is how she proves herself. This is why when they got married and entered, come out of the hoopah into the bridal chamber, the people would celebrate for seven days while they consummated the marriage because the bridegroom would be able to tell if she was loyal or not. Can we be loyal with our eyes and our hands and our feet and our body before God? Come on, somebody. See, this type of life, other teenagers will laugh you to scorn. As Grant says, they just don't understand who we are. That's odd. They will in the end understand who we are. When he shows up in all his glory, they understood exactly who he was. But let me tell you this, secretly on the inside, they're saying, why can't I just be like that kid that don't give a rip? Why can't I just be like him and not have to go to the party and feel important? Why can't I just not save myself before marriage? Hello? 
The proven ground is how we carry ourselves. Don't worry about no oil. Bridegroom comes. Virgins run out into the street. Five is off buying oil. They come, and the bridegroom has whisked them away to the bridal chamber. And they come, and they beat on the door. Please let us in! He peeps his head out the door, and he says, I'm sorry, I do not know you. I do not know who you are. The Bible says it like this. They will say in that day, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not tithe in your name? Did we not go to church in your name? But he will say unto you, depart from me, for I never knew you. I never knew you behind. I never knew you in the bridal chamber. Oh, you attended the services, but you never knew me. See, this is the message that's going to shift and change from the feel-good tickling of the ears that most give to give you the cup of coffee and the donut on the way out to tell you we hope to see you next Sunday. Please tithe online, if you will, to keep our machine rolling once again. Meanwhile, there's death all in the wake of that ship left and right. But they will be the beakings of the burnings of light from the intimacy and devotion that there'll be a city set on a hill that those in real trouble will run to and say, please, please tell me, where did you get the oil of intimacy? How can I have that in my own life? Oh, I met a man named Jesus Christ. He saved and set me free. You're freely to go in any time you want. Just find your place. The Bible says it like this. When you enter a place of prayer, go into thy closet and shut the door. And then the one who sees in secret shall reward you openly. If we want to have a major reward ceremony, we better get it a secret place with God. To be much with God, you better be much with God. I feel like God wants to bless us with the bridal chamber anointing in this room. One that will enter into that place of intimacy with God. This is what he says at the closing of this statement. I'm going to read this. this. This guy here says, he said, I would trade all the accolades of ministry to hear at the end, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There will be many with mega ministries, you listen to me, that you watch on TV in a day start that God don't never know them. Because somewhere in that machine, they left the oil of intimacy a long time ago to downloading sermons off the internet to whatever else they can get to find to come in and regurgitate on the people. But by God's grace and mercy, I will always fly and catch my prey. And I will bring it down to feed the eaglets. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. What are you going to do as a father? You're going to go gather the prey. Come on, somebody. You're going to walk as a priest in your house. And you're going to bring the prey that you caught that day. And you're going to come back and you're going to drop it in the mouth of the eaglets. Come on, somebody. Because we're going to build champions in this house. Come on. Because we're going to have real men. Come on, somebody. Is that what you're looking for? 
Or are you looking for some polished ministry that we could sit down here and just keep drawing the money and look good and pretty? Or do we want the all of intimacy in this room? Do we want men to know how to track down the prey and bring it back home and say, baby girl, let me tell you why you don't have to sleep with nobody. I tracked this prey down this morning. You are beautiful. You're a virtuous woman. You're the apple of my eye. You ain't got to wait to some little Johnny tell you you look good. I'm going to tell you you look good every morning. We track the prey down with one of the little ones get bound. We track it down and we bring it in and we say, whom the son has set free is freed indeed, son. I once was too bound, but I'm here to tell you how you break free from that. I'm here to tell you that the Bible says in Isaiah 54, uh, uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 10, 27, thank you, Holy Ghost, that the anointing shall destroy the yoke of bondage. That ain't no one kazam, bam, I come anoint you. That is when you get locked up and you eat the word. Come on, somebody, and you get fat around the neck till that thing breaks off of you. This is what he's looking for. He don't care about the church doing. He cares about if your heart is singing the song. That's what takes us 30 minutes, by the way, to get into it. But we're in here saying, Lord, I want to be more like you. If the fish are biting this evening, oh, I wonder what we're eating for lunch. How long is that bald-headed man going to preach today? Oh, he said, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to be a vessel you flow through. I want to be more like you. First song that Clint Brown ever wrote. Last night at 12.30, my wife, I did tell she just struggled throughout the day. She was laying there in the bed asleep, and I was singing over her last night. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I got plans to bless you, not to harm you. What I'm prophesying to her spirit is saying, come on up. Come on up higher. Get above that. Get above that. Stand up with us this morning. I tell you what, I think we got to respond to God by coming down to the front. This is just how it's going to have to roll this morning. Grant, come on up here and get your guitar and help Alan back out right here just for a second. Come on, we got to respond to God right here. Come on, come on, come on. Get down here. Get your family down here. Come on. Come on. We got to get the oil. Hand me that bottle of water off of there, Dusty. Come on, let's don't walk like no dead army. Come on. You got to look like you run into the king. I should have had communion ready today. I should just what we should have done. This is the cup. Go ahead. heard a little bit in the spirit when he was praying in the tongues. Prior to that, I felt like I should speak to two people groups. If you feel, have felt stuck or you felt like you've just been going through the motions. Okay? 
Remember when we got the bobcat stuff? In the swamp. Come over here with my big ram, making diesel. We didn't know if we'd pull it out, did we? You done everything you could. The tractor wasn't going to do it. I put that big ram in four-wheel drive, and I laid the hammer down, and what happened? The truck got traction. Snatched you right out of that mud. Didn't it? I always said make 1,000 pounds of it. Just came up. One big jump. Bam, right up on the dry ground. That's going to happen to some of you very soon. I heard lean not on your own understanding. I will soon fulfill every promise I've spoken to you. That's what I heard. I will soon fulfill every promise I've spoken to you. I saw a tractor trailer in the spirit coming down the interstate, and he was held up in traffic, and he was just, the driver was just frustrated going through the gears. Just frustrated. Couldn't find his lane. Couldn't find his lane. And some of you have been in that place. What do you have from me, Lord? I don't see a way for the promise to be fulfilled. I will get you there. You're about to see your opportunity. You're about to have that lane open up for you. And you're going to drop that big rig back into a lower gear and it's going to prepare you for it. You're just going to accelerate. And the mountains that have been before you are just going to be laid flat. I'm telling you. Do you hear me in this place? He will soon fulfill every promise. I saw us on a bus and we were going to a place this morning in worship. Matt was up there leading. And, and all of a sudden we were in this, coming through this ripe field, this golden wheat. And all of you looked like little children. And your, your gaze was caught and you looked out the window and there was Father in the field and He was coming with His promise. Okay? You hear me? Lord, I just thank You for that today. I thank You that every promise with You is a resounding yes and amen. I saw many of you weeping just weeping with tears running down your eyes because you were just overwhelmed. What I heard come out of your very own mouth was, I cannot believe. Lord, I can't believe for me. You would do that for me? That's the response to what he's about to do in your life. He's going to be overwhelmed. You're not going to believe it. It's better than you think. It's bigger than you think. Come on, raise your hands to receive as the bride right here. Fiery love. Fiery passion. Man, I just see fire just bursting forth all over this county of houses, houses on fire for the presence of God. You're going to guard that lamp with everything you got. Look at me. Sunday morning ain't an option. Are we going to go worship? If that's the case, let me tell you, you low on the oil. You got me. This ain't no preacher trying to get his flock together. This is, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I got to have this just as much as you do. So our, our, our focus is the oil of intimacy. 
I'm going to make a way for him in my life. I'm fixing to make room. I'm fixing to move out some things, build on to the house, whatever I got to do. But I got to get along with God because he alone is the one that can feel this. He alone can help me. He alone can change me. Catherine woke me up Saturday morning and she was crying. And I thought something was wrong. I was like, what in the world? And I knew that when I got up and got, got my bearings that the press of the Lord was all over. And she was reading Song of Solomon out of the out of the passion translation and she was weeping she said I cannot believe how good God is and I said whatever she said you know where he told in the song of Solomon he told the Shulamite bride he said deal with the little foxes deal with the foxes that are spoiling our vine deal with them then this is what he said he said come my darling come to me come to me and let us deal with them together look how good God is God said bring your mess and let's come on come on you just come come on See, religion's going to put you out right there at that moment and say, no, don't come on in because you ain't good enough. He said, no, come on in, my love. Come on in, my love, with your little foxes. Come on, and we will deal with them together. I'm not going to let you have to deal with them. I'm going to put my hand on them, and I'm going to help you. The Holy Ghost inside of you, listen, is going to eradicate and kill the little foxes. So, Father, I bless them right now with a bridal adorning, a bridal anointing, and a bridal identity right here. As pursued, as loved, cherished bride. I release that into their hearts. I release the all of intimacy into this people, God. Let them focus on the oil and that alone. And everything else is the same equivalent to Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else shall be added unto you. Father, we receive it now. Come on, lift it up right here, guys. Play over them just for a second. Come on, just you and God. Tell him. Come on, sip that cup this morning. I'm going to be betrothed. I'm going to be a chaste virgin in the eyes of God. I'm going to have dove's eyes like the Song of Solomon says. I got single vision. I got single vision. If If thy eye be single, how great is thy light. Come on, somebody. But if thy eye be evil, how great is the evil. If thy eye be single, God give us single vision in this house. Oh, we only have eyes for you. Anoint us. Call us up higher. I challenge this people today, God, to come up higher. Above the snake line, get along with him. Now I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless the men of this house that will be eagles that will gather to pray to bring back to the young eaglets in the house. I declare that this is a house of strong man. We are not much a weak, feeble, unbearded men, but we are fully bearded, full of wisdom, full of power, full of anointing, and full of glory in this house. I declare that we got strong women. See, when I say that, look at me. You just can't see yourself as just a woman. When God created Eve for Adam, he brought her out of his side, that wife. Did he not? The same way he brought the bride, you and I, out of the side of Yeshua, Jesus, on the cross. And when he created Eve, the Hebrew word for woman is translated 17 times in the Old Testament. Two times is it translated woman. Fifteen times it's translated God. When God said, I'll make you a helper, he looked at Adam and said, you need one just like me. I come to talk to a woman right here. 
He said, I need one just like me to come alongside of that right there. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. That's why when God brings marriage together, it creates a synergy that, listen, you want to see me pray for you and you think that's got power. There ain't no more power than when the husband and wife gathers their hands together. That's the greatest agreement on the face of God's green earth. Come on, somebody. When you and mama grab hands together and you declare that devil to be at your house, let me tell you something. The armies of heaven just got dispatched to eradicate hell. I dare husband and wife to grab hands together and say, I declare right now that there ain't no devil in hell going to touch my child. Fifteen times she's translated God. You need something just like me to come alongside of you to help you in the garden. When he looked at her and said, My God, thou art woman, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall, shall leave his father's house and shall cleave unto her and her alone. This was not saying that they had to live different. But what he was prophesying into his mouth, that woman this day forward shall be pursued. Did you hear what I said? In the garden, in Eden, God, he was saying at that moment, that woman, a man shall leave, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall pursue her and cleave unto her. This is the bride of Christ. Come on, somebody. You and I were stuck down here. God left his house. Come on, somebody, and pursued us down here in the earth. It made a way for you and I to come up to him. Come on, somebody. And he's cleaving. He's cleaving to you this morning. Whew, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Father, I bless this people right now. Raise your hands. I bless this people right now. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. I bless your families. I bless your feet going in. I bless you going in, going out. I bless you in the name of the Lord. May God's face shine upon you richly. May he, may he just ravish you this week. May you be captivated by the presence of God. May the TV be shut off in your home because you ravished. Come on, somebody. I, I pray God rekindle the passion rekindle the passion restore the joy unto me of my salvation Psalm 51 God rekindle it this morning in Jesus mighty name amen and amen hug somebody right now and tell them my God you look good you're the bride of Christ love on them God bless you all we'll see you here Wednesday night thanks for listening to this message for more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.